to another special edition of Pound Conversations. Joining me today is Petey from Jackets Cannon, uh, the SVN sister site covering all things Blue Jackets. Petey, welcome. Hi, glad to be here. Thanks for joining us today, or I guess me, since it's just me and the voice <laughs> is in my head. The Blue Jackets, they are much improved over the last couple of years. Yes. Yeah, it's it, it, we have yeah just had the yeah the most successful stretch or really the only successful stretch <laughs> that we've had in franchise history. Although this year then has been a uh, a bit of a fallback to earth uh, after the last three years. They won their first ever playoff series last year, so I mean that's got to count for something, right? That was that was something special, uh, and I'm generally a pretty optimistic fan and even I did not think we stood any chance against Tampa. So to not just get a series win, but to get a sweep that was completely unexpected and uh, a hell of a ride. Just what was your feeling when, when that final horn blew and Tampa had had no wins in four games. So it just was, was it so surreal? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was kind of an out of out of body experience, like just almost numb. Just like didn't know how to feel, didn't know how to react to that. Um, when so, as the site manager, you know, I made up the posting schedule for that series, and I scheduled myself to recap Game Four, thinking there's a good chance we're going to get swept by the Lightning because they're the Lightning, and we just barely got into the playoffs. And so I thought, well, okay, if we get swept, I want to be the one to write that recap. You know, I'll have the right tone for it, the right ideas for how to how to write the eulogy for the season, basically. Um, but of course, then the day of Game Four, I was thinking, oh my God, I might be writing a recap for this historic sweep. Um, so fortunately, the Jackets got three empty net goals late in that game. Um, so I knew we were going to win, and so I had, you know, an immediate post queued up just to get people's reaction wherever. So I was able to hit post right as the horn sounded, and then it took me a long time then to write the recap just because I needed to decompress. I just needed to get my thoughts together because I had so many thoughts going through my head because this had been a long time coming. This was like 19 years waiting for – a playoff series victory. Um, 
I was just, I was just stunned uh, and happy and thrilled and excited. And there was just so, so many emotions there and but mostly just grateful that, that it finally happened. For that run, which unfortunately did not pan out when they met the Bruins, uh, who, uh, I don't want to say unfortunately, although I guess I should, who unfortunately did win that series and went on to the Stanley Cup final. But I guess we, we came out of it with Brad Marchand crying gifts. So, you know, we're the room here, right? Anyway. Yeah, of course, yeah. Marshan was was uh very much on his BS during that series. Uh when is he not? Yeah, yeah. Late late in one of those games, yeah, he was just like punching the back of Scott Harrington's head for no particular reason. Um, yeah, that was that was frustrating. That was uh yeah, they were just a little too physical and um they you know, we just we tried to play, I think, their game. And that was the wrong strategy there. And then we had some injuries to the defense that eventually uh, took their toll. We just had too many average defensemen playing too many minutes, and it would just couldn't hang. The Jets came up a lot for those rentals, and I don't think any of them panned out or stayed, did they? Uh, no, none of them stayed. Uh, yeah, I would as far as panning out, uh, the Matt Duchesne pickup, he didn't do much in the month of the regular season that we had him. Uh, I think only like four goals, but uh, he was obviously a huge factor in both playoff series. So, I mean, that was definitely a great pickup. And I think we, we tried to keep him, uh, actually offered him more money than he ended up signing with, with Nashville. But I think Nashville was just clearly, that was where he wanted to be. Um, Ryan Dezingle, that was he was just not not a great fit for the style of play, so he was a disappointment. Uh, and then we also picked up Adam McQuaid, who was one of the defensemen that got hurt still in the regular season. Dirty hit from Andrew Shaw, and uh, looks to be a career-ending injury. So, <laughs> so yeah, we got we got nothing uh, nothing this season out of our uh, deadline moves. From what I recall, Adam McQuaid uh, has been hurt quite a few times in his career because yeah. he signed for the Bruins and then all my friends were Bruins fans they would be like oh yeah McQuaid's hurt again <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so that we yeah which we, we were not uh, really familiar with his uh with his history there but yeah just one of those kind of plays and uh Andrew Shaw came in way too high got a concussion and uh and, and that was that was the season for him uh mm -hmm. we've got our we've got our own often nurse defenseman in, in Ryan Murray who had been injured in February, which led them to wanting to pick up another veteran defenseman. So this season uh, is going pretty well. It looks like they are, well, they're a couple wins out of a playoff spot, uh, out of a wild card spot. But I feel like we're only in December. Really anything can happen down the stretch. It's, it's pretty, it's a pretty tight, log jam there on uh for the wild card spot i mean two three two three wins and and it's a whole different hockey game yeah the east is insane this season i mean it's looking like well so last year we were the second wild card in the east and we had 98 points 
wow. which that, that's ridiculous, I think, to get 98 points and just be the last team in in that conference. And this year, it's looking like it's going to be a similar kind of cutoff. Um, and it's been a it's been a very weird season uh, for the Jackets. It's been very up and down. Uh, I've said they're kind of a Jekyll and Hyde team. You don't know from night to night which Jackets team you're going to get. Um, in October, it was looking like, oh, hey, they're actually, you know, they're pretty competitive. They're going to hang in here. They're going to be in, in contention. November, they had some stretches where they were just completely lifeless. And, mm-hmm. and they've had really struggled to score goals. All season, they've struggled to score goals. Um, and then finally here, the last week or so, uh, they're on a five-game point streak. They beat the Capitals twice. I still don't know how that happened, but they did. Um, so things are maybe starting to click. Uh, despite the fact we've had a lot of injuries here just in the last couple of weeks, but somehow the team is maybe using that as motivation or they're realizing that guys need to step up now and carry the slack. And um, so they're hopefully starting to play better hockey now. It's interesting because the Kings are also coming in on a five-game point streak as well. So I feel like the Kings are kind of starting to heat up. Although, based on what we've seen and if history is, or I guess, if I don't know exactly how to say this, but I guess the, everyone kind of expects that the Kings are supposed to lose this game against the Jackets, which is interesting. Because for a long time, the, the Jackets kind of were not good. <laughs> right. No, that's that's fair. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and I, I do think that, yeah, this is a game that I think Jackets fans would say is, oh, well, this is the one that we should win. But I also feel like based on the last month, we're not going to take that for granted. <laughs> uh, be, because just you know, back on Saturday, there was – a really lackluster effort against Ottawa, who obviously is not a great team. So, again, it's that kind of team where they can lay the egg against Ottawa and then come out like a Stanley Cup contender against Washington. It's really bizarre. <laughs> yeah, it's it's weird. I mean, I mean, just in general, hockey is a little bit strange. The the ups and downs, game to game, shift to shift. It's just. You never quite know what you're going to get out of most teams. And I feel like the Kings and the Jackets are, are both in a similar boat in that uh, they'll surprise you on a nightly basis. <laughs> right. Well, and, and like, like my outsider view on the Kings would be that uh, they're obviously a team on the decline, but they still have all of these big name players that we recognize that are still capable of putting together some great games or great shifts or whatever. So they're certainly not a team to sleep on because they still have guys that are capable of some greatness. Yeah. Well, the Kings are rebuilding. So right now what they're looking at is getting contributions from their kids and uh, different on every night, or at least over this five game point streak, uh, different lines and different, uh, different guys are really kind of it's very cliche to say this but like different guys are kind of stepping up if you will and I, I hate to say that because it's like it's such cliche hockey hockey coach but you never I mean everybody is contributing at this point and just in different ways 
And that's what's kind of making the team click, at least over the last five games. We'll see what happens in this game. <laughs> right. Uh, so let's talk goalie. Goaltending. Uh, Bob is gone. Yes. The, the Jackets could not give uh, Bob what he was looking for. So right now we've got Jonas Corposalo and Elvis Merzlikens. Mer- Merzlikens, yeah. Merzlikens. Yeah, it's a mouthful. <laughs> we just uh, call him Elvis. It's, it's just easier that way. <laughs> Elvis. Elvis is in the building. Yeah. Oh, that's fun. Um, who do you expect to start? Um, I think it, at this point, I just assume each game that it's going to be Corposalo. Um, John Tortorella has said at multiple times that, you know, he's the number one goalie on the team at this point. Um, he did just start both games of a back-to-back uh, against Washington to Detroit. Um, and Elvis had gotten the start on Saturday in Ottawa, but got pulled after giving up two goals in the first period. Um, so it could be time for Elvis to start again. But uh, as a default, I go with Jonas Corposalo. Uh, I will point out, though, that as an odd kind of quirk, uh, Elvis Merzlikens has not yet started in Columbus yet. There was one game at home where he came in in relief of Corposalo, but otherwise all of the starts have come on the road. So if he does happen to start tomorrow, that will be his first start at Nationwide Arena. Hmm, very interesting. Yeah. Um, how is Corposalo playing? Because I feel like, I mean, as an outsider, there were whispers of Corposalo last year, but it seemed like he didn't kind of really grab the reins, if you will. He didn't really make, I mean, this is from an outsider's perspective, but it, I feel like he didn't really quite make the impact that maybe the front office was looking for to feel super comfortable about letting Bob go. But either way, Bob was leaving, so Jonas is the guy. Yeah, yeah. So, And he's had kind of an up-and-down career. His uh, The first time we got a look at him was uh, back in the 2015-16 season. Bobrovsky uh, had an injury, and they brought up, called up Corpusalo and basically made him the interim starter. So Curtis McElhinney remained the backup, but Corpusalo got more regular starts as though he were the guy, you know, until Bob came back. He started about 30 games that year, and his numbers were pretty good. Um, and then... The next season, about halfway through, they cut McElhinney and made Corposalo the backup. And the last three seasons, um, his numbers as a backup were not as good. Because um, I think he's he's not your typical, your ideal backup because he needs more regular work. Uh, if he's rusty, he's just not as sharp. And when Bob was, you know, in his Vezina mode, you know, he was, he's the workhorse and Corpusella would maybe start once every two to three weeks, you know, just not getting a lot of reps. Um, so there were even a couple of years there where he was still waiver exempt where they would send him down to the Cleveland Monsters to get a start every couple of weeks, just to keep getting regular work. Um, but last year he, he was no longer waiver exempt. So he was, you know, just sitting on the bench now because they knew from the start of the season that Bob was unhappy and unlikely to resign. So Tortorella even admitted to the press, like, hey, 
we have to know what the future is. We got to see what Corpus Allo has. So early in the season, it was more of an even split and getting that more regular work, Corpus Allo was showing improvement. Um, but then by the back half of the season, uh, Bobrovsky, after all of the drama kind of died down, there was a game where he got pulled against the lightning and just like went back to the locker room, hit the showers, changed into street clothes, like didn't come back to the bench got suspended for the next game because of that. Um, and Corpus Allo played really well the next two games there. But after that, Bob became the guy again, and they rode him down the stretch, and he was, you know, peak Bob form. Um, so we weren't sure coming into this season which Corpus Allo we were going to get. Um, and there have been some bad starts, and there have been some really good starts. Uh, he just shut out the Capitals on Monday. Uh, here in Columbus, but then the next night in Detroit, he gave up three goals on the first seven shots he faced. <laughs> so it's been that kind of season for him, but he has generally been playing better of late. Um, the big thing that has helped the goaltending this year is defense has been really, really strong. So if you look at like goals saved above average um, or goals above expectation, the goalies are a little below average in that regard because the defense has been so good. But just in terms of raw goals given up, they've been about league average, which is which is fine. It's the offense that's been holding the team back. Let's talk Tortorella. This is his what third season in Columbus, or is it fourth? This is actually this is actually his fifth season in Columbus. No, yeah, wow. he's. He's something like the fifth longest active tenured coach in the league. That's, that's so pretty crazy. He, uh, he, was, he was hired uh, after seven games of the 2015-16 season. Oh, right. Right after yeah. Vancouver fired him. Yeah. Yeah, so he like, took a year off, and then the Jackets fired Todd Richards, and he was, he was available, and so they brought him in. Yeah. So it seems like his brand, his very – infamous brand of coaching <laughs> has at the moment not worn thin with the the roster at least with the long tenured guys on the roster i mean is he has he changed his stripes yeah that's an interesting question and it's something that we get asked about a lot because he's obviously such a uh he's a lightning rod figure in the league and every NHL fan has an opinion about John Tortorella, you know, uh, whether he's coached your team or not. Uh, and certainly I had my preconceptions when he was hired. You know, the first thing that came to mind was, you know, the clip of him, you know, charging down the hallway in Calgary, trying to fight the entire Flames team. Um, but yeah, he is, he's definitely been a, a slightly different kind of coach in Columbus. Uh, he definitely mellowed a lot from his Vancouver tenure, um, I think he was embarrassed about the way that it ended. He was embarrassed about himself. It, that year off was good for him to kind of reevaluate things. Um, so he's been a little mellower. Um, but there are times where he's still vintage towards and he's <laughs> screaming a lot and doing that sort of thing. Um, I actually, I appreciate how candid he is because uh, his predecessor, Todd Richards, was just nothing but cliches. Um, and when the team was playing poorly, that, that got kind of frustrating. Whereas with Torts, whether they're winning or whether they're losing, he's going to say something interesting. And 
uh, at his press conferences, I've learned a lot about hockey just from listening to him talk hockey because he'll get a question and if it's something he's interested in, he'll go off for minutes talking hockey. And it's really cool. Um, when he was hired, I think generally what we thought was, well, this is at least a hire that will light a fire under this team because it was such a disappointing start to that season. We had such high expectations that we weren't meeting. So I thought, well, he can get the team on the right track. But based on what he did in Tampa and New York, he's going to wear out his welcome. So he'll get this team on the right track. We might have some success. And three years down the line, he'll wear out his welcome. And we'll have to bring in someone else to take the team to the next level then. And honestly, I think we are at that point now um, where he's taken the team to great success, to unprecedented success for the franchise. But a few times this season, I feel like he's maybe been overcoaching the team or he's been tinkering too much with the lines. I feel like, well, like not giving enough starts to Elvis Burzlikens has not helped his development. So I think that, there's a lot that Torts is maybe not – he's not been pressing the right buttons necessarily this year. Um, and so, you know, a lot, there's a, certainly a lot of fans uh, on the canon who are ready to see a change and ready to see some a fresh voice brought in. So you mentioned the offense. Um, can we blame Tortorella for that? Because a lot of his teams do suffer offensively under his system but i also saw kind of a a funny meme on twitter which you know because twitter is always right in in everything (laughs) um but it's it was just an interesting thing because it was was something like you know or fans the fans blame the coach uh because the team is playing poorly so then the coach gets removed uh or, or and then the coach or something about blaming the system so the coach is removed, the new guy comes in, essentially does the same system, team has success, new guy gets all the praise. I mean, it's all, at the end of the day, a lot of the systems are pretty similar across the board, which I think is fair to say. So Yeah, th- there's not a lot of schematic variety around the <laughs> league. And, and, and Torx even admitted as much when he was hired. He's like, I, honestly, he's like, I, I do a lot of the same things that Richards did. I just think he had a different style of teaching it and a different way of holding players accountable. Um, so that's, yeah, that's one thing I, I at least raise the question when people are like, Oh, fire torts. Like, well, but what then? Like if you fire mid season, who's going to take over? It's going to be one of the assistants who you might have problems with as well. Like what, what is that change going to accomplish other than just, getting rid of this guy that you don't like, you know, what is it actually going to change in terms of the way, what's the, te- what the team's doing? Uh, so I think that's a, that's a valid question. Um, but I'm sure that there are some guys out there who um, have some maybe different ideas, some outside of the box ideas for hockey strategy. And uh, I think certainly the league as a whole could benefit from that, from bringing in some new voices and not just, hiring the same dozen coaches over and over again. Retread is great. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, but is it, I mean, is it a lack of talent for the Jackets? Because just looking at their roster, they they seem to have 
some pretty talented guys, mostly. Right, yeah. I I do think, and I was still hopeful coming into the season because I felt like there were enough players on the team who could produce. Um, so, I mean, obviously, we've got a great defense led by, like, Seth Jones and Zach Wierenski, you know, uh, and those guys can produce a lot on the offensive end as well. Um, but even outside of, you know, the big names like Panarin and Duchesne, uh, we had a lot of 20-goal scorers last year. Uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois, Josh Anderson, uh, Oliver Bjorkstrand, and, of course, Cam Atkinson had 41 goals. Um, so I thought, all right, those guys have shown that they can score. So, you know, they can pick up the slack. Um, now, unfortunately, what has happened this season is that some of those guys then have not. Um, Cam Atkinson did not score a five-on-five goal until two weeks ago. And Josh Anderson has, I think, like three points on the season or something like that. And he just uh, – he missed some time with a shoulder injury that happened in the playoffs – and he's now on the shelf again with a shoulder injury. So that may have been a factor. But even when he was playing, he just was not producing the way that we expected. So that has been a problem that the veterans are not producing like we would expect them to produce. Um, so they're and not up to what I think their talent level could be. Um, what I think we are missing is Panarin was such an elite playmaker. And there's no one on the team that has that skill set. Uh, and he was the kind of player that when he was on the ice could make everyone better because there were passes that he could make that no one else can make. And the hockey vision that he has that can see things that no one else can see. And just when he was on the ice, defenses would focus on him, which would create opportunities for his line mates. And there's just no one on the team that gets that kind of focus now. So I think that is what the offense is missing and and that may be uh, why they have struggled to this point. What about special teams? Because you mentioned Kim Atkinson <laughs> scored his first goal at five on five the other day. Uh, special teams is the battle that the Kings just won against the Boston Bruins, which, quite frankly, I thought was miraculous <laughs> because their special teams have been, well, trash this year. <laughs> Oh yeah, special teams that has definitely been a story for the Jackets this year. Um and it has been something that we've really pulled our hair about for a long time. Uh the power play has has been a point of contention for about 3 years actually. Um in the 2016-17 season where the Jackets broke through, they got over 100 points, kind of shocked the league like wow where did these jackets come from uh first half of that season they had the best power play in the league and it's like when they got on the power play you thought like okay they're gonna score a goal here it was amazing and then the back half of that season that just dried up and then has con- continued to be poor ever since then um and was abysmal to start this season um to the point where in mid-november uh, they hired an additional assistant coach, Paul McLean. Um, you know, he had coached the Senators at one point. Um, I think he'd been an assistant in Anaheim, assistant in Detroit. Uh, so brought him in to be the power play coach and 
actually Brad Larson, who coaches the forwards and coaches power play, he actually approached Torts and said, hey, why don't we bring in someone else? And around that time, the power play started to pick up, even a little bit before McLean was hired. And so that, oh, good, things are fixed. It was like a 20% power play for November. Great. But it's been it's been drying up again now. Uh, currently for the season, we're 20th in the league. Um, so it, it's it's kind of hit or miss, uh, the power play. Um, and and it, again, it shouldn't be as bad as it is. Uh, it's really frustrating to see for how long we've had these talented players just passing the puck around the outside and not actually doing enough to move the penalty kill out of position. Um, so hopefully they'll figure it out at some point, but <laughs> I've lost hope in that. <laughs> uh, yeah, our, the Kings power play has been a, a, a point of contention since, uh, 2012. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I feel like. I know I'm not alone there. <laughs> I, maybe that's an exaggeration, but at least since I can remember their power play has never been good. And it's just been really frustrating. And it's like, ugh. But it didn't. Okay, so I have a question about the Jackets penalty kill. Uh, that used to be a strength of the Kings. And in the last two years, it, it really just kind of went <laughs> as their, their talent level just sort of dropped off. And then, well, Willie Desjardins, he tried. We'll give him that. Um, yeah. But I, I was reading, like, in early November. I think it was, yeah. God, I don't even know when the season started. I, I fe- It feels like the season has been going for so long and also that it just started. Um, mm-hmm. But I was reading at some point that the Jackets had such an aggressive penalty kill that they were pretty dangerous shorthanded. And somebody who writes for The Athletic, they were calling it um, a power kill. Yeah. Yeah, that's. I don't know if Allison Lucan has coined that or if she's just popularized it, but uh, I love I love that term. Um, and certainly last year that was that was an accurate description um, because you had guys like Cam Atkinson and Josh Anderson who got shorthanded minutes and were were lethal on breakaways um, because they would have active sticks, they would be throwing checks, they could get the puck loose, and if they got it loose with space, they'd be off to the races. And, and there's been a little bit of that. This year, um, although, again, with the offensive woes, a lot of that has been finishing. It's just they, they get their shots, but they just can't get them in the net. And so there have been so many breakaways that have they've had a great look, and then it just <laughs> right into the goalie's pads. Um, so the penalty kill is not as good as it was last year when it was one of the best in the league. Um, it kind of varies from game to game. Uh, the big thing is – the Jackets are still one of the least penalized teams. Um, looking here, it looks like they're, yeah, they've taken the fourth least penalties in the league this year. Um, but at the same time, they're also one of the, they don't draw a lot of penalties either. So for the most part, these Jackets under Tortorella don't get a lot of special teams minutes one way or the other. They're not drawing penalties. They're not taking penalties. Well, I mean, while they're not drawing penalties, at least I guess that helps keep down shorthanded goals against, right? Yeah, <laughs> except that's been there was a one point this season where 
they had allowed nearly as many shorthanded goals as they had scored power play goals. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> it was not good. I think it's gotten a little bit better, but it was, it was close. So looking at it, it looks like the Jackets and the Kings are actually among the lesser penalized teams. That's wild to me because I always feel like the Kings take a million penalties. <laughs> I guess because, you know, you're, when you look at it in a microcosm, you're just like, oh, my God, stop taking penalties. You know, from, from game to game or whatever. Or, or it's confirm, confirmation bias when, you know, one of them goes against you and, yeah. Exactly. And then when you look at the season as a whole, you're going, oh, well, the Sharks are actually one of the most penalized teams <laughs> in the league right now. And not, the, not my team. That's interesting. <laughs> actually, it's the, well, it's the Ducks and the Sharks. They, they have spent an average of 12 minutes and penalty minutes per game. That's a lot. Jeez. Yeah, yeah. Well, that kind of explains the records to this point, doesn't <laughs> it? <laughs> that does explain why the Sharks are having trouble. We'll put it that way. Okay, so one last question about the Jackets. Um, I de- well, okay, a couple more questions, actually. One sure. is <laughs> identity. What? Torts is a very strong identity guy. He kind of has an idea of what the team should look like and what he wants them to do. So what do you think is this team's identity? Oof. Uh, I feel like that's harder. Hold on. Did you, can you hear me? Did you lose me? Okay. Sorry. I thought I maybe muted it. Uh, I feel like that's maybe easier to, to answer in past seasons than this one uh well certainly the uh as you said he is a defensive-minded coach uh he's a coach that demands strong defensive play of every player including the forwards uh including you know young players which some people that frustrates fans sometimes because like this guy's got these offensive skills just you know let him play on offense but uh on the other hand you see guys that have blossomed under him and having to learn defense at a young age has made those guys better players overall, I think. Um, so that, that's a, a good aspect of what he's emphasizing. But like you hinted at earlier, the emphasis on defense has sometimes cost the offensive production. Um, now, a couple of years ago, he had the mantra of safe is death. He wanted players to take risks. He wanted the defenseman joining the rush on offense to create chances that way. Um, but this year's safe is death is dead because we don't have Sergei Bobrovsky in goal who can save every breakaway chance against. Um, so the team's been definitely more focused on limiting chances against to have not created as many quality chances on the other end. Um, so that's why I say, I think the identity of this season is just a, a team that's not going to allow as much to happen against them. Yeah, makes sense. Um, okay, and then last question for you. Game prediction, anything goes. <laughs> well, I'd like to hope that they can continue this hot streak, but uh, I've learned that 
you know, whatever my expectation is, this team will find a way to subvert it. Um, but still, I'm going to be the optimist here. I'm going to guess uh, 4-2 Jackets win. Okay, sure. Um, all right, I think that's all the questions that I have for you. Do you want- and, and, and I will give the caveat that I will be in attendance tomorrow. And uh, so far this season, I am 1-2-1 one, one, uh, <laughs> at games. So the chances are, though, that it will be a Jackets loss. But I'm hopeful that it will be a Jackets win. So. Wow, you're hoping for a win. I'm hoping for a win, but for a different team. So <laughs> <laughs> we'll see who wins. <laughs> Um, thank you so much for joining me, PD. Uh, do you want to give a shout out for your socials real quick? Yeah. So, uh, so you can, uh, read the canon at jacketscanon.com. You can follow us on Twitter at, at CBJ Cannon. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much again for joining me. All right. Thank you. Have a good one.